Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Good Life Radio Podcast. Today, the 24th day of June, 2015. Another hot, humid, sunny day here in New York City. The phone number, as always, 607-203-5330. I was on Twitter the other day, and two former guests of the show, Kentucky and Spurs legend Derek Anderson, and former Ohio State superstar Stoony Penn, were tweeting about this upcoming basketball documentary and hashtagging who is Esteban. Obviously, when two of my guests are tweeting something, my curiosity was immediately piqued, and I started doing a Google search on this Esteban Weaver. And it reads kind of like a fantasy. Quotes like, better than LeBron James in high school, the most talented player I've ever seen. Destined for greatness, it kept popping up everywhere. Growing up in New York City, um, we have a reputation of building players up and making expectations unreasonably high. But reading these articles, watching clips of him nonstop on YouTube, I'm a believer and I wonder, why isn't Esteban Weaver a household name? When you hear about players like Lenny Cook and Earl Manigault and these guys, they're always the same quote. They're the best players never to make it to the NBA. But why is it that a person with this much talent, called better than LeBron, never made it to Division One basketball? We're going to find out why right now. Without further ado, I'm honored to have on my show not only the director of this much-anticipated documentary, Ryan Conley, but also the legend himself, Esteban Weaver. Put you guys on right now. Guys, you there? Yes, sir. Yes, I'm Ryan, you there, brother? All right, yeah, first off, Ryan, thank you, guys. First of all, thank you for even calling the show. I think you can do a better job than me describing to everyone listening who is Esteban Weaver and what compelled you to make a documentary about him. You know, I've always been interested in uh, film and filmmaking. Uh, and when I came across the Esteban story here in my backyard here in Columbus, uh, you know, I, I approached Esteban, I tracked him down, and, uh, you know, kind of told him my idea of what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, he was excited about it, and we've been working on it for the past year. And I just think that it's such a, you know, here in Columbus, it's almost like an urban legend, you know, the Esteban Weaver story. Uh, but what I'm realizing through uh, the film process here is, you know, his name is known kind of uh, nationwide. Uh, a lot of people wonder, you know, whatever happened to Esteban and, uh, you know, things like that. So that's why, but th- those are the questions we hope to answer in the documentary. And you, I have to let you know first, the trailer you did was perfectly. It was done perfect. You played one sentence of him and they just played clips of him. It, it just, it's an intriguing trailer. So I just want to let you know you did a good job because you piqued my interest as being a basketball fanatic about learning about this guy. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and that's what, you know, since we dropped the trailer last week, we've had, uh, you know, an amazing amount of attention and uh, people have nothing but good things to say and people who maybe uh, didn't know who Esteban was at all, you know, now their interest is peaked to find out more. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned uh, Earl Manigault. Um, there, there's a piece uh, that kind of led me to, to Esteban in the first place where uh, a news writer here in Ohio, uh, Larry Phillips uh, out of Mansfield, uh, did like a, com- a comparison piece between uh, Manigault and Esteban. You know, he's like our goat here in Ohio, and uh, that's what made it so compelling. Is this isn't a guy who didn't make it because of talent. You know, a lot of guys normally when they're ranked number one or number two and they don't make it, it's because maybe they didn't get any better, or maybe it's because they weren't as good as they originally everybody thought. Uh, well, much like uh, the goat there in NYC, Esteban here in the city. Uh, continued to be a playground legend, you know, throughout his uh, uh, career um, in the summer leagues, you know, dominating NBA players like Michael Redd and Cooney Penn and, 
uh, Jimmy Jackson along the way. Uh, so it was never a lack of talent, uh, which I think adds to the mystique of Esteban. Of course. Now, Ron, I'm going to get back to you, but chime in anytime you want. Now, Esteban, welcome to the show. And Thank let, me, let me see if I can give a quick background. In the mid-'90s, 6th, 7th, 8th grade high school, he was the number one prospect in the country over guys like McGrady, Lamar Odom, Ron Artest. You go to a high school in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, what school did you go to? And you dominated the first two years. What caused you? Now, I don't know your story, so I'm actually now as a fan listening to what happened. Why did you leave the school after two years? Um, I actually left Bishop Harley. I went to uh, Bishop Harley out of Columbus, Ohio. I actually left Bishop Harley because of my head coach. His name was Tim Byrie. He was actually uh, forced out for some odd reasons. I, I, it's still undisclosed on why he got forced out, but he was forced to resign. So in, at that time, you know, he was like a father figure to me. You know, he was the reason, one of the well, one of the reasons why I came to Bishop Hartley. So you know, um, it was hard for me to understand or, or, or accept the simple fact that they were letting him go, and I. You know, as being you know like a son or or, or uh, if you want to say quote unquote uh, a loyal soldier, you know I, I just I want I I didn't want to stay there. I didn't I didn't feel like things would be the same, you know, with outing. So I just decided to leave and and, and move on elsewhere. Now, where did you go after leaving after two years? Where'd you go? Uh, when I left Bishop Hartley, um, I left and I went to a prep school in Maine. It was called MCI, Maine Central Institute, and it was in uh, Bangor, Maine. No, actually, I take that back. I apologize. It was in Pittsfield, Maine. Um, well, even, and I went there. About, uh-huh. I have to ask you, growing up, I read about you, you know, you grew up in a rough neighborhood. What is the transition going from Ohio to Maine? Is that Does that just mess with you mentally? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, uh, for a young kid, you know, being a, a teenager, it was uh it was challenging for me because uh you know I'm a uh you know a, a inner city kid you know I come from the streets and for me to wake up in the morning to get ready to go to class and there's a twelve fifteen hundred pound moose outside grazing in the grass you know they tell you you know and people tell you to not bother the moose or don't mind the moose like you know and go to class like that was unreal for me. You know, I couldn't believe it to go outside and actually see. And, and, and it came over the PA, like the loudspeaker, like there's a moose outside grazing. Just don't bother it. And I came outside and I looked at it, and it was like the size. It was like the size of a car, and that, that's unreal for me. You know, coming from the inner city, that was unreal for me. So that right there was just, you know, it, it was a, a lesson within itself. I bet it was. Now you bounce around school to school. Now what mm-hmm. colleges would? legitimately wanted you? Because the early 90s, like, you were scouted 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Like I said, what schools legitimately wanted you, and where did you want to go if you could have went anywhere? Um, I really wanted to stay home at Ohio State, you know, um, but the funny thing about it was um, I didn't have a real close relationship with the head coach at the time, which was Randy Ayers. Okay. Um, I had a real, I had a, my, my relationship came with Jerry Francis. Jerry Francis at the time was the assistant coach. And Jerry Francis was also a native of uh, Columbus, Ohio. And I, uh, I, you know, me and him just, he always kept in touch with me. You know, he, he was the one that I felt like should have been the head coach because, you know, he, he should have been doing what head coaches normally do. 
But, you know, we developed a relationship, and uh, because of my grades dropping, they kind of lost interest in me. So, you know, I kind of moved on elsewhere from there. Now, you said you moved on elsewhere. So, you're playing basketball in Maine. Now, you're basically a junior in Maine. This is when you kind of have to stop making your decisions about college. Are you thinking now, like, well, i got to settle down now to get my grades up? Well, that wasn't even in your mind. You just wanted to play basketball. Yeah, I was still, I mean, I was just still a young kid, you know, even at 19, 20, you know, years old. I was just, you know, still a young kid. I just wanted to play basketball. I mean, that's what I felt like, you know, I was, you know, uh, bred on earth to do was to play basketball. That was my sole mission was to play basketball. I wasn't built to be an engineer. I wasn't built to be a mechanic. You know, God gave me the God-given talent to play basketball, and that's all I wanted to do, you know, so – uh, it, you know, like I tell people in my documentary, you know, basketball took me a lot of places, and you know, at the end of it all, I never, I never knew that it was going, you know, be this big or be this way. Now, let me jump back to the director of this documentary, Ryan. Ryan, you, you're going around doing this documentary except for the last year, obviously around Ohio, where he's a legend. What do what do people say about him when you bring up his name? What do they say about Esteban Weaver in high school? What kind of player was he? I guess what got my attention was just the way people gush over Esty, just uh, how excited they are to tell their Esteban story like they were a part of it themselves. I mean, it's a memory in their life. Uh, it's not like uh, a lot of people will tell, you know, what happened in the game last night or this guy's that or this guy's that. Uh, like, they beam. Esty was ours, you know what I mean, here in Columbus. Like, uh, he, uh, they were so proud of him, and they still are. And uh, I guess that really got my attention, just how excited people, you know, your average everyday people uh, are to, uh, to talk about Esteban. But also, um, you know, I've talked to NBA players, you know, Jared Sellinger, Trey Burke, uh, Jimmy Jackson, Derek Anderson, and these guys tell me that, you know, he's as talented or as good as anybody they've ever seen or played with. Uh, and I, I guess, like, that sticks with you. Uh, when you hear people at the top of their job, you know, at the top of their profession, give that kind of praise. Yeah, for a guy like Derek Anderson, I watched a clip saying that he's – that he well, Derek Anderson was a freshman and Esteban was a 10th grade and Esteban was dominating. We're not talking about a good player. We're talking about a dominated figure who was ready to make <laughs> the move and be the next great player. It's, it's, it, I'm telling you, growing up in New York, we'll hear stories about, oh, at Rucker Park, this, this guy just dropped 70. He becomes a New York City legend, but that's for one day. Esteban Weaver seems like he was just – his legend is still growing. Now, what was the best thing, the best thing someone said about Esteban? And I want to be honest, what was the worst thing they said about him while you went around interviewing about him? Uh, as a basketball player, as a person, or – We'll do both. Well, I'll tell you my favorite – I'll tell you my favorite basketball one that I heard. I just heard it recently uh, from uh, Johnny Clark. Uh, he was the former uh, Cleveland Cavaliers shooting coach during the during mm-hmm. the time Esteban was floating around here. Um, Evan Turner, you guys know Evan Turner. He uh, was the number two overall pick not that long ago, national player of the year at Ohio State. Uh, well, he's not from Ohio originally. Um, he's from Indiana or Illinois, I believe. But he uh, mm-hmm. he played in a charity game here in uh, in Ohio a few years back. He had just came off national player of the year, being the number two pick in the NBA draft. So you know he's thinking he's the man, which he is, comes into mm-hmm. the charity game, and Esteban's in the charity game, and he didn't know who Esteban was. And I guess he was kind of like, well, who's kind of like, well, who's this guy? Well, it turned out that they would be guarding each other in the game. Well, Esteban, to make sure that Evan never had to question who he was again, 
promptly scores 55 on Evan Turner. Now, <laughs> Evan Turner is 21 years old at the time. Esteban's probably 34, 35. Uh, <laughs> and uh, holds, uh, holds uh, Evan to about 12 points in the game. So that, that was a fun story for me and a recent one, actually. Kind of his playground status is still um, still out there. Um, I guess the worst thing anybody said about SC, uh, I tell it to almost everybody I've interviewed. You know, when I started this project, I was looking for, like, that smoking gun of, like, why Esteban didn't make it. Uh, you know, did he do something truly terrible that maybe isn't in the public record? And, and that's just not the case. You know, it's really just a bunch of, um, I guess, knucklehead kid attitude problems that we all have. You know, I mean, I hate to see, you know, what people would say about me if they saw what I did every day as a 16-year-old kid. Uh, so, <laughs> so you know, I guess the one thing that I don't even know if it's a bad thing, um, some people just question his, uh, you know, his attitude, you know, as the had. Uh, you know, a fiery attitude and maybe like a, you know, a little bit of an anger issue uh, where maybe, you know, he wasn't uh, uh, always uh, open to coaching, you know what I mean? But he he, he was never like a, a problem kid. Uh, he was just kind of like late sometimes and things like that. So I guess I was looking for because we see people in the NBA and we see people even at the college level uh, you know, with multiple assault charges, rape charges, and things like that, and that's just that's just not the case here. Right, you nailed it right on the head. And Esteban, when I started, you know, I was in Chicago when I saw Derek Anderson tweet that, and right away I reached out to you. And I'm Googling, and I'm waiting for the rape or the assault, or he got held up in drugs, and I'm not seeing anything. And it's it's making me more curious. And you know what bothers me? And this is when you're going to get to my next question with Esteban. Esteban, you're in the public spotlight since you're in sixth grade. And Felipe Lopez, mm-hmm. he, comes on, he comes on the show all the time. And yeah. I asked him, I said, listen, I know as a man you don't want to say it, but how much pressure do you feel with just, you're in sixth grade. In sixth grade, I was the biggest idiot of all time. So when I do anything, it's completely right. dismissed. But when, when you do something in eighth grade, it's like, oh, my God, Esteban Weaver did this. If, do you feel the pressure of being in the fishbowl, of being the next, let's be honest, like maybe savior of Cleveland, of, of Ohio sports? Do you feel that pressure at a young age? Yeah, the pressure was uh, – it was heavy, you know, and it was hard for me to learn how to be a kid, you know, to to be a a, a young teenager, you know, because I was always uh, scrutinized. I was always, you know, held under the microscope. I mean, I, I can remember a time um, I was uh, just out with my friends riding bikes, and um, it was a news crew. It was a camera crew. I think it was an accident. Yeah, that's what it was. It was it was a small small accident, you know, so nothing much minor, nothing really major, but the, uh, it was a camera crew on film. I mean, they was on set and they pulled up, they got out, you know. I guess it was just, you know, let's just film something, you know, just to have so we can use for TV. And we ride by on our bikes and we happen to stop just to see, because you know, as young kids, we're curious. So we, you know, stop, get off our bikes and just, you know, watching. Next thing you know, I feel a tap on my shoulder. I look up, it's a lady with a microphone and a big-ass camera like Esteban Weaver, and I'm like, yeah, well, how does it feel to be the best basketball player? And, you know, they went from a car accident to interviewing me, you know, about my basketball status. And it's just like, you know, as a kid, you know, I, my friends didn't even know who I really was. They knew I was Esteban, they, you know, but they didn't know I was Esteban. So when they seen that, now all of a sudden 
you know, they start acting different towards you. Not in a bad way, but just, you know, now it's like, okay, we now know that you're the leader of the pack, yeah. you know. So it, uh, it, it, it was just, it, it was difficult for me because I never got a chance to grow up. I think that's why now at 38 years old, I'm still a kid because I'm it's living funny. out, you know. No, you, you said it perfectly because let's be honest, in eighth grade, I played baseball. I didn't want to be the captain of a baseball team because I didn't want any pressure. Now you're in eighth grade where adults are coming over to you with cameras. You don't, we, we never raised how to react that way. Now you're in high school in Maine, still with NBA dreams. What happened mm-hmm. after Maine? You, you, now you leave Maine, or what was your move after high school? Now, obviously with the grades you mentioned, no D1 schools are really recruiting you. Right. The one thing I want to get clear, and I, I want to put this out there, is that uh, a lot of people always said that, uh, you know, Esteban Weaver's dumb, Esteban Weaver, you know, he's uh, illiterate, he can't read. The one thing I want to put out there and let people know is that, first of all, Esteban Weaver, you know, has two years of college under his belt. So, mm-hmm. That didn't just happen on accident, uh, and I finished it, and I, and I plan to go back and finish my degree. But what it is is that I cheated the system. When it was time to play basketball during basketball season, I made sure my grades was good. In the off season, I didn't go to school. I was just out in the streets, you know. So and, I cheated the and system. And in fairness, this is a this is a fourteen year old kid that was told from the time he was fourteen that he could basically close his eyes and be a lottery pick. You know what I mean? So <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, in right. fairness, you know, it wasn't. It was, right. it was basically yeah. counting down the days so that he could be draft eligible, and, and that yeah. wasn't just one person telling him that. That was, you know, basically everybody in his life. You know what? Yeah, I, 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 yeah go ahead, Simon. I'm sorry, go. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, it was just, uh, it was just a lot of times in my life where it was just, it was, it was frustrating for me. So, um, a lot of people don't know uh, when I left Independence, I didn't graduate. You know, I didn't get a cap and gown. Mm-hmm. You know, my principal, my principal called me into his office, and his words to me was, "Go be rich." That's his unbelievable. Words. Then was his words. Then was his words. Uh, he told me to go be rich, and and at the time, you know, I didn't really have no uh, uh, no real good support system as far as. Uh, uh, um, you know, and, and this is no knock to my mother or my grandmother, but I mean, like, as far as men, as far as people that I could look up to and respect, because at the time, you know, my father and my so-called stepfather was off to the wayside, but uh, I should have just entered the draft. You know, I was that talented. You know, my name was already on the my name was my name was already on the board. I should have just entered the draft, but because I really was thirsting so long to be a, a kid. You know, I wanted to live a normal life. When my senior year in high school was over with, like, I felt like that that was a moment for me to breathe and be normal because now I'm not playing high school ball anymore. Now I'm on to the next phase, but now I have a, 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 I have a space in between those phases. And that was one of the best times of my life was when he pretty much kicked me out of school and told me to go be rich, and I had time to go be a human being, a kid, for once in a while. Now, that was actually my question because – now, if I'm wrong, please correct me. You went to junior college after high school. You didn't enter the draft. What was? Why was that decision? Because you wanted to be a kid, and what made you choose the junior college? I believe you chose somewhere in Florida, didn't you? Right. I wanted to go be a kid. I wanted to go have fun. Because and I felt like Florida. trying to – yes, Florida. why not Florida? Yes. You know, Florida, <laughs> you know, why not? You know, why not? You know, I went to – I went to – I went to uh, – I went to uh, – uh, excuse me. I went to um, what was it? Florida, uh, Florida, 
what is it, Florida Community College? I can't remember what it was what it was called. Um it did come to me in a minute, but um I went to a community Yeah, it's oh, T C C. I'm sorry, thank you. Tallahassee Community College. Yeah, it was in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh it was right up the street from uh Florida A and M, which is a black college. It of was course. right down the street from Florida State. So I, I well why not? You know, you're so, in a triangle. The girls, the beach, Florida. You come from cold Ohio and cold Maine. Why not go there? Who wouldn't go there? Why not? Why not? Now, you know, so it was it, it was another phase of my life. Now, Ryan, I'm gonna get to you in one second. I just want to ask them on why did you? Because I know you entered the 2001 draft. Why did you enter the draft? And was that the only option, or was playing overseas more of an option? Actually, to tell you the truth, I wasn't even thinking about the NBA draft or. I just wanted to be a kid. Like, I wanted to go to college. You know what I'm saying? I, I wanted to do the stuff that normal kids did, go to college, be on their own, cook, clean, you know, uh, uh, learn how to, uh, uh, you know, find a job to pay bills and, you know, just that experience. So I, I wanted to go to college. And um, lo and behold, you know, uh, uh, Mike, you know, uh, uh, Mike Gillespie was, just came knocking on my door. And it was now, and it was crazy yeah. how I ended up going there because uh, he kind of like tricked me to go in there. How because so? well, it was funny because I got down there on a visit because I was out of school. Like you know, my high school years was over, so it was you know I could go on visits. So I went to a visit and uh, <laughs> and he told me I was taking a, 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 a I don't want to get it wrong is it an aptitude test to see where they place you? Is that what it's called? Sure, sure. Yes. Okay, so he, he, that's what he was telling me I was taking. But what I was taking was my GED. No. <laughs> yeah, right. So I took my GED. You know me being, you know, right. Me being, me being a smart guy, I took. I was taking it. Didn't know. I thought it was an aptitude test. It ended up being my GED. I took it one time. I got a seventy-nine, and I passed. And I signed the paper that he said that I was, you know, he said the paper that I was signing was stating that I finished my aptitude test and they were going to, you know, place me. And it was in the, I was actually signing a contract to go to school there. You know, it's sad but yet comical at the same time just how basketball makes the world go around. It's just, it's actually sad what, we, what, we, what everyone does to these kids. They really do it. It's sad that they're all disposable because they know next year there'll be another great player. It's sad, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Ryan, let me get to you in a minute, Ryan. What now? What's the name of the documentary? When's it being released? And how is the, I guess, promotion going for it? Because you got a lot of legit NBA players talking about this. So how's it going with that? Uh, it's Actually, going great. It's, it's, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, go ahead. I'm sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Let me ask you. It's who is Esteban? It's who is Esteban? Uh, is the title? Uh, I think that's both for people who don't know who Esteban is at all, but also people that know the legend, they don't really know who he is either. You know what I mean? So that's, like, that's how we kind of came up with the title. Um, it's going to be out this fall. Uh, we're actually talking to distributors now. Uh, I can't really say anything about who or what, but uh, it'll be available. Uh, it won't be a secret. Um, we're hoping to take it to some uh, film fests and things like that this fall and uh, you know, kind of see what happens from there. Uh, the promotion, we really just started when the trailer came out. Uh, we have some more stuff up our sleeves, but yeah, it's, it's been invaluable to have the cooperation of guys like Derek and Scooney and, and, and guys like that who have been more than helpful to you know take time out of their days to 
um, you know, help promote the film for SD and, and for us and to kind of get the word out. Now, Esteban, what are you up to right now? Uh, right now, I just, I, I, I'm just living life, man, loving life, and I do basic stuff, man. I, I work with my cousin. He has, he owns a car dealership, and mm-hmm. I detail cars. You know, that's just, that's my joy right now. Like I said, I detail cars, and on Sundays I go play basketball. And right now I'm the, uh, right now I'm the front runner in the league for the MVP. So you know, I just <laughs> would it be any other you know, way, I, really? Yeah, I just, I, well, that's uh, all. I, I'm, also, not, I'm, I'm I always. Steve Logan, former first team All American, is also in this league from uh, Cincinnati. Wait, who's also in the league? Uh, Steve Logan, uh, first team okay. All American back in the day at Cincinnati. He's also in the league, so it's not like your average, I guess, old man league that he's like. <laughs> that he's like. <laughs> there's some big names around there. Now, Esteban, let me ask you this: Do you get recognized? It's just a two-part question. Do you get recognized a lot still on the streets? And do you see yourself maybe wandering to mentor younger kids like, hey, you have the talent, I never have a father figure, let me reach out. Do you ever see yourself like wanting to help these younger kids? Uh, yes. Uh, it's Actually, it's just starting to take fold as of right now, even when I uh, got with Ryan and Mike as far as starting the beginning of my documentary. That was one of the first things we did. As, uh, you know, they, they followed me out to uh, a rec center in Columbus, Ohio, where I live, and, um, you know, just recording me, you know, talking to the youth. It was maybe 100 kids or so, and, um, you know, I just sat out and talked to them, and the only thing I want to do is just at this point in time in my life, like I said, I'm 38 years old, and I just want to give my knowledge of not just basketball but just my life experiences because there are going to be a lot of kids, whether even basketball, football, baseball, soccer, you know, whatever it may be, there's going to be kids growing up that's going to be very talented in their sport, but at the same time, that that you know with with, with uh I, I don't know how the phrase goes uh with the Spider-Man movie with what is it great something comes great responsibility so great power, that's one of the things, yeah with great power <laughs> comes great responsibility right you're exactly right so the one thing i can say about you know with youth growing up these days you know like like i said not only with basketball because you're going to gain power once you become the top of the food chain and i mean like the top of you know your sport and whatever it is that you do, that's your power. Now, with now the power now becomes responsibility, and now it's you know with, with these time and days, the one thing that I didn't have was I didn't have you know male role models. I mean I had role models, but the role models were you know not you know they they were they meant well, but at the same time it was more of a a, a hindrance to my career than it was helping me. You know, they never tried to, you know, shove drugs in my face or, you know, uh, put a gun in my hand. You know, but a lot of, you know, in my neighborhood, you know, we had a few drug dealers that were, you know, million-dollar drug dealers in the street. And, you know, they were involved with sports and they loved sports. And then once they find out about me, you know, it's not hard to get close to an inner-city kid, you know, and an inner-city drug dealer. It's not hard to get close to them. So it was just... You know, my whole thing was I think I never made it to the NBA because I was guilty by association because I hang around a lot of drug dealers and a lot of guys that, you know, murder people in the streets. But they all embraced me as one of their own. I was always guilty by association because, you know, the drug dealers, they always made sure I had money in my pocket. I drove nice cars, drove their cars. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you came to Columbus, Ohio, and you met me for the first time, you would think I was a drug dealer. 
you know, it's so funny because you're coming off as beyond a nice guy, and not that I, I didn't think you were going to be a nice guy, but you're, I'm waiting sure. for that. I'm waiting for the story like, oh, I did everything right, but I did this. You know what this story reminds me of? Obviously, you've seen the movie Above the Rim. Um, right. Yeah, Kyle Watson, he wanted to go to Georgetown, was a great kid, never did anything wrong, but was getting mixed up with Tupac in the whole. And it looked bad, yeah. even though he, he wasn't doing anything wrong. You're looking at him, you're like, let me stereotype. Here he is, another kid, the streets is going to eat him up, and yet you did everything the right way. And you want to know how I'm going to, Brian, here's why I'm really glad you're doing the documentary. I'll tell you why. Um, the Chris Herring documentary on ESPN, 30 for 30. Wow. Yeah, Chris Herring always, yeah, Chris Herring always said, you know, when I messed up, when I did drugs, I didn't give a crap because I was hurting myself. Once that documentary came out, now you have all these addicts and all these families looking up to him as a hero. Now he's like, I can't mess up. I have to mentor these kids. I want, and this, I, I'm telling you, I got chills watch, like talking to you about it because there are so many inner city kids who just need that one person to be like, hey, listen, maybe you might meet in the NBA, but if you don't, here's what we're going to do. And you're coming off like one of the most genuine people I've ever talked to in my life, man. And that's the thing. Like, working with SB has been unreal because he, he's so charismatic. You know, he, you know, he lights up every room that he's in. And, uh, he, he he's brutally honest with any and everybody, you know what I mean? Because everybody wants to hear his story. You know, I can only imagine before we actually got it on film, like how many times he told this story orally because, I mean, he's just, he's so open with everybody. And, and for, for me, like, you know, like you mentioned, like that's like my target audience. If we can help one kid better than Espon Weaver was at basketball, you're just not. <laughs> so... <laughs> So it just shows that there's two sides to everything and how you carry yourself and who you associate associate yourself with and the things you become involved with away from whatever your field of, uh, you know, work or sports may be can affect that just as much as what you do on or off the court. And now, you know, I'm going to get back to the questions, but I had like a few questions written down, but talking to you is changing my whole outlook on this interview. You know what's so great about making this documentary and the age of Google and everything is that, 20, 30 years ago, when we were in high school, we were in, and a guy came to talk to us, oh, I was the best basketball player. I'm sure you are. Now when he goes in there, you're like, hey, YouTube him really quick. Whoa, whoa, this guy's legit. Let's really, now, Espy, I want to have some fun with you real quick, okay? Mm-hmm. I ask this question to every person who comes on the show. Sure. Right now, you're in New York City, me and you are hanging out, and you want to impress a group of people. You take out your mm-hmm. cell phone. Who's the coolest person in your phone that you can pull out and text, and they text you back? Oh, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. And that and, and 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 listen, and I'll and and I'll and, and I mean this sincerely. I'm not saying that because cuz we're just on the phone. I mean mm-hmm. that personally because anytime I text Ryan, I can he can call me right back and it's always inspirational texting me between me and him. See, that, that, that's a really yeah. you get answer. Let's see. I'll go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> I would say talking to Esteban always gets me pumped up. Like no matter what, like I'm having a bad day or anything like that. Esteban, you know, he's he's always positive and you know he, he's ready to roll. And uh, I, I mean, I love you know I've learned so much uh, doing the documentary. And and much like you, like he's not the person I expected when all this started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could have never dreamed of having such a uh, you know charismatic and positive man. Uh, you know, and I'm. I'm, I'm, I feel lucky every day that I get to tell this story, and I just hope that we can do a, you know, a good job. Well, I'm, listen, the way you guys are interacting now, I'm pretty sure it's going to be awesome. Now, 
I, I know you get this, Esteban, and the Felipe Lopez answered it. There's always, he was the LeBron before LeBron. Real question, without, truthfully, if you played LeBron, not one, listen, not now, he's, he's polished, he played in the NBA. Your high school prime, I guess sophomore year, LeBron, are you in his league? Are you better than him? Realistically. So oh, he'll get his ass tore up. I mean, because the the thing about it, the one thing, the one thing about it is, and I'll make sure, and I'm glad you're recording this because if he ever get wind of it, we can play right now at our ages because I know I'm at least six years older than him, and he'll still get the business because I got, I got, I still got the same juice. So, but my thing (laughs) is with him is like it was a different breed of basketball before he came about. Because if I had, you know, right when my senior year, when we left, like that's when Sports Center, like, you know, the ESPN really started broadcasting, you know, kids on, you know, a high school or national level. And we didn't have that. Like my first game, my freshman year in high school at Bishop Hartley, we were televised on a local cable channel called Coaxel. Okay. And that was just televised throughout, the, you know, the city. It wasn't televised, you know, throughout the world. It was just citywide. It was a basic little cable channel called Coaxel. And, you know, that was my first game, my freshman year, televised. So, you know, and then as I got older and came, you know, came out of high school, that's when I started following LeBron. And it was just so funny because every time I would watch him or see little clippings of him and everything, like even when he got in trouble, or not even in trouble, but they tried to get him in trouble when he got the Hummer. You know, yeah, and the Mitchell and the Mitchell Ness jersey too. Yeah, yeah. When he had the Hummer, they tried yeah. to you know make a big deal about it. But hell, I was driving four or five cars when I was in high school, and nobody said shit about that. <laughs> you know, I was driving. You know, I was driving. I was. I mean, I was driving Mercedes Benz. I was driving Cadillac. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about when I say when I was driving. I mean, I'm driving a seventy thousand dollar Mercedes. A sixty, forty, sixty thousand dollar Cadillac, you know, with rims and everything on it, and a forty five thousand dollar truck with a twenty thousand dollar system in it. Like, I mean, the shit was unreal. You know, I, so when I seen him with that Hummer, it it, it kind of made me smirk because I'm like, y'all messing with him with this Hummer. But when I was in high school, I didn't even have license, and I was parking my shit in a teacher's spot. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I had teachers, I had teachers that really, I had teachers that really hated my guts because I would pull up in a sixty thousand dollar car, you know, some shit that they worked their whole entire life to get, and I'm driving it and parking it in they spot, and they come get without me out of class and license. tell me I need to move it. You didn't have a license either. <laughs> no, no license. I was fifteen years old. You can't even get a license until you, you can't even get temps until you're sixteen. <laughs> You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, soft, I'm a freshman sophomore coming to school in a $60,000 car, parking it in a teacher's spot. No wonder why they coming to get me. I'm getting pink slips to come to the uh, principal's office. Get your motherfucking car out of my spot. <laughs> this is hilarious. That's about right now, the NBA game, <laughs> who is your game most similar to? Like, you can relate. Like, hey, you see the way that guy plays? That's how I played my game. Mm-hmm. My game right now? My game right now is I, – I, and I watch it every – and I'm going to say every day because the season's over with, but mm-hmm. I tweet and I text and I call on the phone and I talk to my friends every time he make a play. I'll be like, that's young Essie right there. But my game is like Kyrie Irving. 
See that that's it's it's hard for me to listen to knowing you have this much talent and we can't be watching you now. I yes, like I mean, yes, I mean, I would be, I would literally be Kyrie Irving on Cleveland Cavaliers team because we do the same stuff. We get to the basket however we want to. The the, the one thing that separates me from him, I think I'm a little bit. Well, I take that back. I know that I'm a I'm a little bit more hard nosed defender than he is on the ball. Mm-hmm. So, but that's the only thing that separates us. We get to the basket. We both shoot the three well. But as far as defending, I think I'm a I think I'm a, a little bit more of an asshole on defense than he is. Now, I have a couple of questions before I let you go, and I'll be honest, I'm having an unbelievable time. What does really? Esteban Weaver? What does Esteban Weaver today? Pull over freshman Esteban Weaver. What does he tell him? One piece of advice he tells him: Stay away from the negativity. Mm-hmm. Stay away from the You're negativity. Yeah. Listen and and, and and listen to your heart because I never had a chance to listen to my heart. I just listened to everybody else. It was a lot of people, you know, a lot of yes men, a lot of, you know, people in my life who just wanted to be there just for the moment. So I felt like I just had to appease them. You know, my life, my whole life, I felt like I had to just make people happy. You know, I never, and I never made myself happy. And I think when it was time to make myself happy, you know, that's when I had fun. When it, you know, when I wasn't playing basketball, when I was hanging out with my friends in the summer and, you know, smoking weed and and and, and wrestling and watching wrestling, like them was the normal things that I did as a kid. Like you know, I mean, I started smoking. I started smoking marijuana when I was like eleven years old. You know, and I and I tell people that publicly because they're, you know, I mean, I don't I don't hide anything. You know, so that's what I wanted to do. I started, you know, I used to smoke weed before every high school basketball game. And still, dominated. I had a I had a I had a Columbus police officer that would guard me out in the back while I went to smoke to make sure that nobody knew I was back there. He can get That's fired. I would never say his uh, name, but he would have lost his uh, job course. if he they knew I was back there. Now, Ryan, let me ask you this, Ryan. You're making this documentary. I'm going to keep you guys another couple minutes if you don't mind. Now, Ryan, you're making this okay. documentary, and you're developing a relationship, obviously, with Esteban. Was it hard to, I guess, be not biased with it, like you're developing a relationship, like, wow, this is a nice guy. Was it hard to do a documentary while you're making, while you're becoming a friend with somebody also? Well, you know, the first t- conversation that Esteban and I had, uh, I told him, you know, I wasn't, I didn't want to make like a highlight reel. I didn't want to mm-hmm. make, um, you know, a pro Esteban piece, you know, as long as he's willing to be a part of this where, you know, he may hurt, hear things from people that maybe he doesn't want to hear, then, um, you know, then I would be on board with doing the project, and uh, and that's just that's the way it's been. You know, we're just we're just everybody else's opinions. Our opi- my opinion's not in the film. You know what I mean? It's it's Esteban and his own words, and then it's it's everybody that was there and lived it with him or saw him or things like that. And it's just it's their words. So you know, I'm kind of like a fly on the wall. I've enjoyed Esteban. I think everybody who spent any time with him at all, well, you know, and you know, have fun with him and and, and develop a relationship, but. Um, you know, it, it's not in the film. You know, it's 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 we're flies on the wall and we're just observing, and um, that's what we've tried to tried to be away. You know, I told him, you know, that's the first thing I said. You know, I'm not gonna make a you know Esteban for governor type piece here. We're gonna we're gonna show the <laughs> we're gonna show the good stuff and the bad stuff. Now, Esteban, was it difficult watching this documentary? Because at, we're portraying you as like obviously you're a great guy. Was it difficult knowing like wow? If I would have had maybe more guidance, or maybe I could have been in the NBA, or a household name, is it difficult watching it? 
Um, it was difficult the first couple times I watched it. I even told uh, Mike <laughs> and Ron when I spoke to him the first couple seconds into it, you know, I got a little emotional and stopped it because, you know, it's my life. But, um, you know, I'm okay with it, you know, because at, now at this point it's about it's about the children. It's about the, the youth that's growing up now. It's about reaching them. It's about my testimony getting out to even if it just reaches out to one kid and, you know, he's able to turn that corner and make better decisions in his life, even if he doesn't make it to the NBA, even if he doesn't make it to the NFL or, you know, the national, uh, you know, the, the baseball league, if he doesn't make it to any sport, you know, it, just be successful in life and know that you can do whatever it is you want to do as long as you, you know, take the right path and just stay away from all the negativity. And that's basically what we're doing with this documentary, you know, just to let people know what my life was about and what I went through, because everything up until this point has been a speculation. I, I'm so, you know, I'm so glad you said it. You Google your name, and there's not that one bad story. We said it earlier. I'm waiting for that bad story. I want that bad story, because I'm hearing it's like, if only you had a tad of guidance, this whole thing could have been different. Now, I just want to have to have one other question for you. Mm-hmm. You live in Ohio. Is Cleveland ever going to win a championship? I'm just curious. Are you guys ever going to bring home a championship in any sport? You know what? They gonna win the championship as soon. They gonna win a championship as soon as they call me. I got about four or five years left in my body. So as soon as they call me, as soon as they, as soon as they call me and give me a ten day contract to give me a chance to prove themselves. Because what better? What listen? What better way to win a championship in Cleveland with LeBron James and Esteban Weaver, two of the you know two of the greatest players to ever come out of Ohio? To win the championship. Now, I mean, you can you can you you can't better you can't write a better script than that. As but you, you're coming up so freaking likable, Ryan. Do we have a plug your documentary? And listen, before you go, you have to look into um, ESPN. I live in New York City, and ESPN. You know they have the Tribeca Film Festival. You know they have a separate Tribeca Film Sports Festival, and they just play documentaries of sports. It, That's something that we're real- definitely definitely interested in. Uh, like I said, I. This fall, I plan on being on the film fest circuit. You know, whoever will have it, and uh, you know, so uh, yeah. Okay, that yeah, please great. plug the doc- please plug the Twitter, the documentary, everything right now. Who is Esteban? Uh, it's coming out this fall. You can find us on Twitter at Esteban Weaver. You can find us on Instagram at Esteban Weaver. And uh, for the most up to date stuff, uh, find our Facebook page. Uh, also, who is Esteban? So. Uh, we're not hard to find. Uh, we're just now starting to promote the movie. So check it out. The trailer is uh, hosted on all those, all those sites and on YouTube. Uh, check it out. Now, right listen, now, we're, you guys actually, we're, we're actually, excuse me, we're actually currently over 2,500 hits, and we would just posted it, what, last week? Yeah, it hasn't even been a week yet. So Yeah, it, yeah, it hasn't uh, been a week, and we're already over 2,500 hits. So, you know, we just, you know, it's, we're, you know, we're just trying to make sure that everybody gets the message about who is Esteban. Listen, they're going to. And I just want to tell you, thank you so much. Let's be honest. You know in a few weeks, a few months, you got, it's going to blow up. You're going to have people everywhere. I appreciate you guys coming on my show early on. And I have your Twitter name. We have numbers. When you guys come to New York, I'm going to take you guys out. We're going to drink and some food. All right, guys? Yes, sir. Okay, I appreciate man. you. And, yes, sir. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for having coming on, man, guys. Good luck with everything. I really mean that. All right, thank, thank you. you. See you later, guys. Yeah. That was one of the funnest interviews. It, it's funny. Hold on. Is that true? Did, Jamal? No. 
Jamal Murray has just picked Kentucky. This could be the greatest day of my life. Is it? Oh, I don't know. If it's, okay, hold on. I don't know if my friend's messing with me. Oh, now I got to check. Let me get back to this pod, to the podcast. I, when Derek Anderson tweeted the Esteban Weaver YouTube trailer, first thing I did, I looked at it, and I'm like, wow, this is legitimate. And I didn't know if it was a YouTube clip, and then I started Googling about him. We had Felipe Lopez on. He was – it's so hard for people to understand now without – he was one of the greatest high school players of all time. And a, another person who, without the guidance, unfortunately didn't get the future that he should have had, which was the NBA, because he was that good. You read quotes that – of all, and not fans, not players, not me, not Ryan Connolly, the director, sports writers in Cleveland, Columbus, who said if he was better than LeBron in high school, did this guy's talent – you can tell he's – it's not conceited. It's confidence. He knew he was the best. And it's hard when these kids, oh, yeah, you know, go right to the NBA. Sadly, and hopefully his message will get out there and help some kids. And the one great thing about his this documentary, it's going to blow up. Documentaries like this, they do blow up. A great basketball player. Anytime you get a great basketball player with a story where he's not a bad guy, he's a genuinely good guy. You know it's going to blow up. So for them to give me some time before it blows up is just absolutely tremendous. And I'm trying not to scream and yell like a little girl, but I think Jamal Murray has chosen Kentucky to play basketball next year. And just like that, the bad, quote-unquote, bad recruiting season that Coach Cal has just now at the door. We're getting number nine. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening.